Hello, hello. Welcome back, you guys. Good to see you. Hi, everybody. It's mini time. What's up? Mini time. Welcome back again. I love this time. Okay. So I was thinking about something the other day. As you know, Nancy and Danny, you might not know, my son has been in residential facilities. He's been in long-term care. When I say long-term, I want people to understand the differentiate that he was not in, he's been in inpatient, but I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to residential care. And it was just interesting to me because looking back, what a broken system. And I'm I'm not trying to not give people hope because I'm sure there are residential facilities out there that are wonderful, but you really have to be careful um, on what you look for. And you have to vet these places because a lot of them are are false advertising, you know. Um, yeah, it, not just not just that. I think that they also change hands uh, oh, yeah. oftentimes. So if somebody says, "Oh, uh, you know, I had a family member who went to such and such in Arizona or California, wherever it was great." You can't just take it for what it is and think, oh, I don't even have to visit. We're just going to send this person Trap them because off. they can change. It's staff members, yes. it's owners, and that is, a at times, a really big revolving door, a lot of turnover. And there are some of these places that have a great reputation for many years, but yes. there are so many of these places that you have to be very careful. And if, you know... I would say, if if possible, to visit. If not, really, like you're saying, vet the, vet whatever your place is. Well, I would look for reviews, and I would reach out if you can. If you're on uh, Yelp, I would reach out to those reviewers directly and see if they'll answer you on what their experience was. Because I'll give people a brief synopsis, oh, which seems like a million years ago, and it's kind of a blur because we were in such crisis mode, but. The first one he went into basically said, like, mm, well, he has too much mental illness for us. <laughs> I was like, well, what does that mean? You advertise as, as dual diagnosis, you know, and, and at the time he um, had an addiction to weed, in my opinion, maybe not his, but in mine. Um, so to me, he, he fit the bill, but they were not liking that. They wanted people who had like, um, slight mental health issues, which I'm not even sure what that really means. Just because I think because his is more explosive, you know. Being, yeah, I mean that's yeah. To say if they said slight mental health issues, that's just something. That I'm sure should, those are not, not the exact words they used. That's so frustrating. Honestly, that must be so frustrating. It's and- advertising. I I can't imagine what you had to go through with that, Julia. I'm I'm sure that was entirely so frustrating. But just as the layman in this conversation, mm-hmm. can you explain to me and maybe some of the listeners what is a residential facility? Like, what do they do? Is it is it just a something like a boarding school kind of, or what is it all about? I, I mean, it depends upon age, right? So my son went in as an adult. Um, you live there, yeah. So it's kind supervised of. living. Yeah, it's supervised living. So kind of. So if you're a younger child, yeah, you're going to go to school during the day and you're going to have therapy at night and you're going to spend the night there and eat your meals there. And you can have visitors and go on outings and all kinds of stuff, depending on how the programs are set up. But And, and they try to do medication management. 
during all this. And it's also a finite amount of time. It's not an ongoing, if you have an older person, not in other words, not a, an adolescent, if you have somebody who's looking for housing, a residential is usually like Julie saying, it's programs. There's a finite, you know, it's months. It's not going to be a week. It's it's more on the long term, but yeah. it's supervised. And um, and Julie, back to what you were saying first with your son, which like Danny said, that must have been uh, you know, a slap in the face for someone to say, well, you, you know, he's got too much mental illness or whatever they, the phrase. I don't was. remember that's, the exact words. But whatever but... it was, I'm sure it was not fun to receive no. that one. That's tough. But I, I do feel like overall, these places that list themselves as a dual diagnosis residential treatment place are focusing, you know, you always say, what's the primary? They're focusing first on the drug and the the, the addiction issues. And with that, somebody always has some sort of mental health issue. Obviously, that's why they're they're having right. this, these problems with addiction. But these, I find that these places always are really serious about having the addiction or the drug substance abuse problem first and then treating the second. So I, I feel like um, which is, their programs, which is, you know, is doesn't it, fit yeah. the bill sometimes. Right. It's interesting because I know... In more recent studies, not that I'm a clinician, which we know, but that they have said you have to train them both, both at the same time. You can't treat right. like one and treat the other, and it just doesn't work. But like um, the title of it, dual diagnosis, it's dual right. at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. I just, for me, the system was, was severely, severely broken. So the second residential facility he went to was great. It was very small. It was for men only, and um, he initially did really well and bonded with the staff there and was functioning great, and then something happened, and I don't know what happened, but um, tended to isolate himself from the other clients, I don't know what we call them, patients, um, residents. And they couldn't reel it back. So unfortunately, they had to ask me to take him out. And I will say this about this particular place is that the his his therapist, because we were in a he was in a different state, mind you, at this time. I should have prefaced that this all that all this happened in a different state in California, which was very far away from Chicago. So it wasn't like I could hop on a plane and be there in five minutes. Um but he sat with him in a hotel room all night long um, to transition him into the next facility, which I thought was really nice. Which is that's above went, and beyond. I he feel went like way above him, and he doesn't work for that facility anymore. He went somewhere else. But I mean, it it really touched my heart that he did that for my yeah. son. Such a caring and compassionate person. Yeah, yeah that's really it's, when you find someone like that that takes a personal interest. Mm-hmm. It's such a gift because you need it so desperately for someone to really care that's that's working in some of these places. And when there's a connection, it's just such a positive. It's um, And it's a positive for your son, too. I'm sure it made him feel like somebody cares in that place right. uh, that, that he, they that sat with him. That's a good send-off if you have to have a send-off. Right. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate part was they... Even they thought they had vetted the third place 
And that was, when you say boarding school, that's what I think of. Like this place was set up like a boarding school. And when you're dealing with mental health, boarding school doesn't work. They're like structures and rules. And they would call me and, and he would call me and, you know, like I'm trying and they're not letting me do certain things. And I don't know, he forgot his pants or something. He was wearing shorts and that was part of the protocol. And it was this whole thing. And and I was like, why can't you just let him go back and, and get some pants on? And and during this time, mind you, they were trying to get him stable on medication. So there was a lot of transition with that. And I said, how do you expect someone to follow the rules when they're going through medication management? Right. And it's heartbreaking to think of how painful that must have been for him. Well, I will tell you that I spoke directly, called to to the CEO, who doesn't really have a day-to-day involvement anymore because she was a lot older and she was a super nice person. But I said to her, the way these people are talking to my son on the phone is not very therapeutic. That I can tell you because he would put me on speakerphone. I mean, how would you like it if your um, your loved one was suffering from cancer and they went to go to their treatment and they were like, oh, no, you're not wearing the right pants. Right. Thank you. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. I mean, it's it's insensitive and it's a negative, a negative, you know, jolt to this person. Right. Um, well, all of this, though, what you're explaining, Julie, is a good way for people to not only vet these places, but how to, what to ask, and some of the questions to ask when you're calling around. And by the way, there are people that, you know, we all know that you can hire to advise you. They're, I don't know their exact titles, but they they are the ones that are supposedly in the know, and they can advise you on where your your family member would best uh, would best be a fit or what, you know, the place would be a fit for this, the person's situation. And vetting those people first is important to make sure that they really travel around and make sure they're Well, I was just going to say that because so to get my son into treatment, we used an interventionist. And what I have found out from him, he he actually was a very good person and in it for the right reasons. But there are a lot of people in it for all the wrong reasons. Absolutely. If we got... If we, I'm sorry, Danny, did you? I'm so sorry. Uh, Do they, are there certain interventionists that just get paid in cahoots with certain places? Yes. So it's not cahoots. So (laughs) it's not a kickback either. They're, they're contracted out by certain facilities. Mm -hmm. So what he explained to me is if in fact your son chooses to go to one of the facilities that I work for, they will pay me. If he does not choose to go to one of those facilities, then you have to pay me. So I felt like that was fair. Mm-hmm. That seems realistic, and mm-hmm. that they're so he wasn't. They were, they're not getting kickbacks. But however, say, having said that, you do have to be careful because there are a lot of predators in the industry, and um, who prey upon people who have addiction problems and underlying mental health problems, who will poach people, and that's totally illegal. So. Um, Not to mention dangerous for the person at hand who's going to this place. Correct. But it's about making money. So I would absolutely say go to the facility. Do not send your loved one blindly if you can avoid it. Check it out. Look at those reviews. 
you know, speak to former patients if you can, if, you know, if they're, if they're posting reviews. I mean, I feel like we live in a tech world now, right? So you can probably Julie, find a. You outlined three of them. Did you ever find the Goldilocks? <laughs> well, I'll say this. So the fourth day went. It. <sighs> It was a lot better. the The woman that owned the facility was was wonderful and genuinely loved and cared for my son. The issue with it was it was not structured enough for him, so they would let him get away with whatever he wanted. So if he relapsed, she would take all these kids back because she had a kind heart. I mean, that's a fault of her own. But I tried to explain to her that if you don't hold my son's feet to the fire. He's just going to know he can get away with this behavior and continue it. Which, it was, which, by the way, that was one of the questions. When when a person, when a family member is vetting a place, um, one of the important questions to ask is, what is the structure of the day? And equal to what is the structure of the day on the weekends? Um, really, you know, tell them what, what the description of this kid is and yes. saying that, you know, like you're saying, there was no structure there and not enough structure, I should say. For him. Yeah, for him. But still, you have to know, you know, for your specific person, what's what is the structure of the day in this particular place? And um, and is it a fit for, you know, your son? Right. They had had therapy and they had groups and they had programming and, you know, they tried to get them jobs and, and work on life skills and all that stuff. But again, my son wasn't following the program and the double-edged sword, they, they let him stay there, you know? And the sad part is I'm like, well, when he gets out, he's not going to have these life skills. So if he's not doing what's necessary, sadly, you have to, you have to throw him out. You have to hold him accountable, responsible. He He doesn't understand the accountability and responsibility side, which was really tough. And so. Which is key also accountability at some point. Is yes. just key, it, you know, as the age goes up. Yes. And, and, le- and let me say this, and I'm not trying to scare people, but the third facility he was in, that was like a boarding school, said to me, he, you know, violated all their rules, whatever they were, and they were throwing him out. And I said to them, okay, give me some time. Let me find a facility. And um, they did not wait for that at all. They literally took him in a van brought him to a homeless shelter that was closed because it was nighttime and dropped him off in the middle of (sighs) a city that he had never been in. I had never been in and he had no money. He did not have his cell phone. He had no clothes. They just dropped him off. And that was a very real and scary situation. And he was an adult, you know, and I use air quotes because obviously, you know, just because they're an yeah. adult doesn't mean they have the adult functioning. Um, and thankfully, I have friends in that state who made a lot of phone calls, and um, we found someone to go pick him up. God, that wow, that is scary. That is infuriating. Oh, I was. I can't even tell you how I. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was very, it was very, very frustrating. I was mad and. Scared, scared, more scared because he was not in a very nice neighborhood. And um, I just told him to sit there. I said, I don't, and he had no phone. So he was borrowing 
he was in a restaurant. He was borrowing their phone, and thankfully, they let him sit there and use the phone. I said, do not move. I don't think it's going to take an hour. You may be there like eight hours, but please do not move from that place you're at so we can find somebody to come get you. So on the other side of the coin, just so that we don't freak our listeners out. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, because I want people to know, I'm not trying to scare people. There are a lot of great facilities out there. There really are, but you have to vet them. And I was just too too uneducated in it. Yeah. And, and everyone, the, you know, uneducated just means you haven't gone through it. I feel like, you know, you, you have all the smarts in the world, but if you never, if you've never gone through this, you don't know what to ask. And all of these stories, sure, it could scare someone listening to this, but then again, it's also the positive of knowing what to ask. Give your exact scenario of things Mm -hmm. that could happen. What would you do in this case? You know, not only what is the structure of the day, how do you handle if my kid has a meltdown and goes against the rules? Mm Mm-hmm. What do you do when somebody breaks the rules? What do you do when another kid is bullying other kids? You know, you, you never know who's going to be in these places. It could be a great combination. It could be someone in there that is going toxic. against, right, mm-hmm. toxic to your particular family member. I mean, just you make a list of every scenario you can think of and ask ask the director, ask whoever runs that place, what do you do in this case? What do you do right. in that case? Right. And also... Um, in some of these programs that are, let's say, three to six months, you know, you, you, like I said, it's not going to be a week to say, what do you, what do your residents, what do a lot of them do after this? What's uh-huh. the transition? What is transition. the transition? What, what do you, you know, they, they don't have to provide the transition, but many times they do. And they'll say some of them move into apartments. They've already we've already gotten them to have a job mm-hmm. or be in school, and they move into apartments even with yes. each other sometimes. Yes, and see if you can talk to any other family members um, that have had someone in there. Not just uh, looking on Yelp is a good idea. Look at everything, but there are also cases where if you look on Yelp, there are some raging complaints about sometimes a really good place of somebody who did have a meltdown. It would be like having your son, Julie, having your son, Julie infuriated the next day uh, after this homeless shelter situation, writing his review. I mean, there are, um, which of course that was, that would be legitimate, but, but there are, there are so many factors in this. It's a, it's a situation of asking a million questions. Mm-hmm. You're entitled to endless questions. And right. if you can't travel there because you can't afford to go far away twice, and you know, you probably want to hopefully bring bring your son or daughter or whomever. Um, but I just feel like questions, endless questions and to a few different staff members is really mm-hmm. one of the best things you can do. And there's a reason why these places exist too, because if you, if you do find the right fit, this can really work. And I've seen yeah. it myself when I was growing up, uh, one of my very best friends, um, they were experiencing some issues with self-harm and substance abuse. And I didn't know what it was called at the time, but they went to a residential and, um, they went, I want to say for about a month. And I remember going to visit them and, um, came out on the other side and leads a very happy and healthy life, you know, uh, has a great marriage, a great career, um, works with animals. And I do believe that that stay in that residential facility was a huge turn. I mean, they were, they were, they were different after that. They were different. That's a, that's a great story. 
Yes. And there are a lot of places out there like that. I just, unfortunately, and again, the fourth place wasn't a bad place. It was very good. And there were a lot of successes that came out of there. It just wasn't structured enough for my son. It didn't fit his needs. So that's where you just have to ask a few more questions. And uh, with regard to like uh, dual diagnosis um, and treating those two things uh, at the same time, you know, I was just thinking about something uh, that my therapist says. I know I'm circling back, but <laughs> go ahead. Therapist says is um, when you're sober, as son of a bitch, emotions are real. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that. Oh, I love That's that. Good. Good, good That's good. So, all right. <laughs> once you clear that, uh, you know, that fog out of the way, and then the emotions are there, you gotta, you gotta work in tandem. You know, you gotta hit the yep. source as well, because otherwise, then the symptoms, the the addiction, are just gonna come right back. Rushes in, yeah, yeah. There's some to end like on a, a positive. There's some really good places, like with a theory like that, that really can give someone a whole boost and turn their life around, brand new life. So. That's right. Well, thanks, guys. This was quite interesting, and thanks. Yeah, for it really me, was. Good conversation. A little bit. Good hope conversation. Yeah, hope I didn't scare anyone too much. I didn't mean to do that. Take care. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We welcome your input. To contact us or any of our guests, please email us at behindourdoor@mail.com. That's behindourdoor@mail.com. And please don't forget to like and share our podcast. Um, Leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. We really want your feedback. It's important to us. We are so thankful that you are here and listening to us. If you or someone you know is in crisis struggling with mental illness, you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or the NAMI Helpline at one 800 9506264 Until next time please join us for another conversation behind our door Thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs>